the back there in the back waiting. And while our kids are going to Children's Church, just to remind you to make sure you read your bulletin carefully and be at the right place at, at the right time. Very important information that is in there. Uh, an important uh, insert there about a bridal shower coming up for Sydney Long. Or make sure you, you get that. You can be a, a part of that and uh, celebrate with them the gift of love, of course. And uh, just to remind you of one thing in terms of our February missions, Shannon Sisters. And if you don't know what that is, then after the service, take time. Take time to read that and pour it with a, another opportunity for us to share the love of God uh, with the lost and dying world out there. And those who just need to be reminded and encouraged the fact that God knows them, he loves them, and he is going to be with them. So... Uh, I encourage you to, to be uh, here tonight, 6 o'clock, ladies' Bible study in the social home, men's Bible study uh, in the Upward Bound Sunday School class where we always gather and our focus in both of those studies, different teachers, but both of those studies is the armor of God. So uh, I want to encourage you to come, be a part of that tonight at 6 o'clock. Well, as we get into God's word this morning, I want to return to what we were focusing on last Sunday, dealing with the truth that every single day of our life, we're living on the edge of eternity. And as we began to explore that truth, we, we basically looked at two things. Let me just take a moment to remind you who are here and draw others, if you were not here, into what we're looking at and why it's important we understand this truth that we're living daily on the edge of eternity. First of all, because of the reality of life. Uh, Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and in verse 2 that uh, there's a time for us to be born and there's a time for us to die. That just simply means that life here on this earth is a temporary segment of time. And behind that reality is this truth. No one knows how much time they have. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised the next hour or the next moment. We just don't know how long our life here on this earth is going to be. It is estimated that 155,532 people die every single day. And the vast majority of them did not know that was going to be the last day of their life. That's why I'm talking about living on the edge of eternity. We never know when that is going to happen. And so we need to understand what the scripture says when it says the day is the favorable day of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. And so I just plead with you, the only one I know of for sure that I can testify to is my own heart and the fact that I understand that I needed a savior. I, I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. But by his grace, I have received him as my Lord and savior and now I have received the gift of eternal forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. And of course, the gift of the Holy Spirit coming to indwell me. 
nothing about me, all about the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're here today and you can't say that, you, you have doubts, you can't say, I know that I know that I know, then I plead with you with all of my heart because every day, every hour, every moment that we're living on the edge of eternity, you should not leave here today without being able to say that and walk out with the incredible peace of God in your heart and in your soul. And so we're living on the edge of eternity because of the reality of life. Then another reason that we're living on the edge of eternity is because of the return of the Lord. It has been prophesied he's coming again. It has been promised to us that he is coming again. And as I shared with you last week, and I've always tried to make this known to you, I'm not a prophet. I am a pastor teacher. I have the responsibility of diligently uh, searching the scripture so I can rightly divide the word of God to you. And in my study as a pastor teacher, I can share with you that there is no prophecy that needed to be fulfilled before the events of the second coming began to unfold. All of those have been fulfilled and we're just waiting for the Father, our eternal God and Father, who's the only one who knows really the time to say, it's time, son, for you to go and get your church. And so as that as a reality, listen, uh, all these specific nations that are prophesied will be part of the end times, they're in place. Uh, uh, the spiritual condition of mankind, the denial of God, the darkness and the depravity that we see everywhere fits perfectly in what is prophesied in the day in which he will return. And then the supernatural, listen to this, the supernatural birth, of, rebirth of the nation of Israel all of that, those are just general statements, but all of that lets us know it could be any day. And so not only because of the reality of life that we're living on the edge of eternity, but because of the return of the Lord. But I wanna also speak of this in terms of a third thing, and that is the results of our love. We'll take a little bit different slant to it this morning. And I want you to look with me in Colossians chapter 3. We began our service looking in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, because we were talking about worship and the reality that it is a love relationship between us and the one who has saved us, the one who has made the ultimate sacrifice, our love and gratefulness to the Lord God who first loved us and by his grace has provided this incredible salvation. And so worship is our expressing our love, our gratitude, honoring him, exalting him. But here's what I want you to see. If we look in verse 17, the very next verse, some of you have translation that actually use the, the word and here to make sure that you understand that the connection, there's a direct connection between verse 16 about our worship of the Lord and then in verse 17. But here's what it says in, in the scripture as I am reading New American Standard. It says, it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, through him, to God the Father. 
Now here's what I want you to see. Those two go directly together. And here's what that means for us. When we are through with the time that we have here and you walk out that door, you carry that worship with you. You carry that worship with you. We, we have just fallen into this trap of thinking that worship is something we cut on and something we cut off. But true worship, I have a love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and our eternal God and Father of heaven. It's not something we cut on and we cut off. In fact, if you want to enhance your time when we're together in worship like we are right now uh, in, in these moments right here, then let me just say this. Don't come to worship. Bring your worship with you. Spend every single day in worship of the Lord. You, we're going to walk out of this wonderful facility that God's blessed us with. We walk out in, under the canopy of life or, or the life that God's given to us. And as children of God, here's what he says. Read it again. He says, and whatsoever you do in deed and in word, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God, the Father. Now, here's a mistake that we make. We kind of like to take our lives and look at it like a pie. All right, let's just say that part of our life called finances, all right? So we take our pie of finances and we divide it into 10 pieces. So we can take one piece out Say, this piece is the Lord's. So we give that tenth to the Lord. We call that a tithe. All right? Then let's say the pie of time. We look at time divided into seven days, right? Seven days. So we divide it into seven pieces of pie. And one of those pieces, which happens to be Sunday, we take that one day piece of pie out and say, this is the Lord's day. So I'm giving the Lord his piece of pie today. You're here. One of the curses of, of Christianity today, particularly I think in America, is what I call Sunday morning religion. Now let's be sure. Biblically, Christianity is not a religion. That's the label the world puts on it. Christianity is a relationship. And it's a love relationship. And it's a love relationship where we are constantly, that's why he says, and whatever you do and whatever you say in everything, he says, just a living out of our life every single day, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whomever you're talking to, you're doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks unto the Father. In other words, we're honoring him, we're glorifying him, we're exalting him as we live out our lives. Let me give you a couple of verses here. Look with me in First Peter chapter 4, verse 11. Peter's talking about the, the gifts of grace that God gives to uh, his children, those who are of the redeemed. Some have the grace to do this and the grace to do that and be able to serve and minister in the body of Christ. But then he says this in verse 11, and there's a particular phrase I want to draw your attention to, but listen, I'm going to read the whole verse. He says, whoever speaks is to do so as one 
who is speaking actual words of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that, here it is, don't miss this part, all things, not some things, not this piece of the pie or that piece of the pie, but that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever, amen. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Paul writes this, therefore, whether you eat or drink, Whatever you do, do all things for the glory of God. Whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Now, here's what I want to draw your attention to. He's talking about an attitude of worship and how we're living out our lives. A conscious, listen to me carefully, a conscious attitude of worship that comes from this heart of love and gratitude. So that behind everything we're doing, behind everything we're saying, wherever we are, what, what, whatever is happening around us, our goal, is to make sure that our lives are glorifying and exalting, blessing the name of the Lord. I came across in my studies uh, this little story just about a homemaker, young lady who had a plaque right, right there at her kitchen sink. And it simply said, worship services are done here three times a day. She got it. She understood. It was an attitude. No, we don't think about doing dishes as an act of worship. But she understood that it was an attitude. It was the attitude of the heart. Our attitude of worship, attitude of, of glorifying, attitude of presenting her heart of gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord in the way she was living her life. And this, this is incredibly important because of us. Listen, we're looking at this in light of the fact that we're living on the edge of eternity. Why is that important when we talk about the results of love, our love for God, where we want to glorify him. We want to uh, bless his name. We want to be able to present him to others because everybody in our life living the same way on the edge of eternity. There, there is no one in your life, family, friends, fellow workers, acquaintances, that person in front of you in line at the grocery store, oh, that person that's at the other, <coughs> excuse me, pump, that is putting fuel into their car while you're putting fuel into your car. Everyone that you see, are you listening? 
everyone you see, but everyone who sees you are in the same situation. They're living on the edge of eternity. And I don't want to miss a single opportunity to present Jesus, my Lord, to them in the way I'm living my life. You understand the importance of this? Uh, look at this in 2 Corinthians for me just a moment. Not 1 Corinthians, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to read verse 15 and then verse 20. In verse 15, Paul again, he, he's talking about the love of Christ that controls us, that compels us. And, but then he says this in verse 15. It says, and he, talking of course about Jesus, our Lord Jesus, and he died for all so that those who live, and in this case, those who live in Christ, we have spiritual life. A non-believer doesn't have. It's a gift. We didn't earn it. I always want to make that clear. We didn't deserve it. It's just God's incredible love and goodness. And so when we accepted Christ, he gives us this new life. We're a new creation in him. Old things pass away, new things come. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. But he says this. He died for all so that those who live would, listen carefully, would no longer live for themselves. I just let that sink in that they would no longer live for themselves. I am no longer to live for myself. I am to live, of course, for the Lord Jesus. Who no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Where? Where are we ambassadors for Christ? Wherever we are. <laughs> at any given moment, at, on any given day, at any given place, doesn't matter. We are ambassadors for Christ. And then he goes on to say the significance of that. Look at, look at this. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ as though God, listen, let this sink in. God were making an appeal through us. God making an appeal through us wherever we are in whatever we do, whatever we say, we're doing in the name of Jesus because he's making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Do you understand the importance of what this is teaching us as followers of Christ? My number one responsibility every single day, not because I'm a pastor. This has nothing to do with that. I'm, I'm a person, I'm an individual. Saved by the grace of God, hallelujah. 
but my number one responsibility, but yours as a follower of Christ is to represent Jesus. You got to live your life. You got your responsibilities. You got your family. I understand all of those things. But my number one responsibility every single day, word, deed, whatever, in all things, glorify God. I represent Jesus. I represent the Lord. Now, sometimes we got to, and it's a fine distinction here, but I think you'll understand it. We have to ask this question. Let me just ask it this way. Do you want to impress non-believers or do you want to influence non-believers? Now, you can... You can impress people from a distance but never have any opportunity at all to have any impact on their life, any influence on their life. What we want is to have an influence on their life representing Christ through this attitude of worship coming from this heart of love, this love relationship that we have with him love and gratefulness in worship because of his goodness in our lives. And so we want to influence. We want to get close enough to them in any opportunity we have. Hey, let them see your faults. That's okay. Let them see how fragile you are and even what you're going through in life. But let them see the difference. It is for you because of this love relationship you have with him. So that raises this question. What does that look like? (laughs) What does it look like? So let me just, I'm just going to give you some five things. Jot jot these down, okay? Five things. Here's what it looks like. We want to. We we are ambassadors for Christ with this love relationship. We're doing everything in the name of Christ, in word, in deed. In other words, we're living a life of worship every day, and we want them to see it. So here's here's how you do that. This is practical things. I'm going to start with the most simplest of all. First of all, by smiling. There's too many Christians look like they've been sucking lemons. Do I have a witness on that? This absolutely blows me away. I wouldn't want what they've got if what their face is telling me that what they've got, right? Just by smiling, all right? Here's what the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 17 and, and in verse 22. Proverbs chapter 17 and in verse 22. I love this. It starts off this way. A joyful heart is good medicine. That almost sounds southern, don't it? (laughs) A joyful heart is good medicine. In other words, it makes a difference. It makes it, listen, it'll make a difference, first of all, in your life. But it'll make a difference in other people's lives when they can see no matter what valley you're going through, because you're 
because of this love relationship you have with the most high God. Through his son, the Lord Jesus, you can still smile. You know, whatever valley you're going through, maybe a deep valley, maybe a long valley. Might be a valley like my wife and I are going through now with her health issues and things of that nature. But you can still smile. Why? Because we got this incredible love relationship with Almighty God through His Son. So He is with, I know, we know, He's with us. Right? Right? I'm going to bring Beach Springs over here, get a Pentecostal church in here to let you know how to express it. Folks, just a simple smile, not a fake smile, but just a simple smile can make all the difference in the world. You can, you can walk into your home and the expression on your face may set the tone for that evening. Amen? Right? Well, that's everywhere you go. All right? I see some people giggling over there. But listen to what it goes on to say. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. Yeah, dries up the bones. Look, we're just talking practical terms here. You start, hey, by smiling. So, you know, just for a little practice, give it to me. <laughs> some of you go. <laughs> All right, second thing. Not only by smiling, but let's get a little bit real deep. By sympathizing. Second Corinthians chapter one. Verses three and four. Listen to this. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all, would you circle that, all? This, this is important, circle that. All our affliction. Now, why do I want to emphasize all? Because some of the affliction I deal with in life, I brought it on myself. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's our choices that has brought that on. But you know what? God doesn't sit back and say, well, hey, you made your bed, live in it. Aren't you glad God never says that? But boy, we like to use it, don't we? Yeah, well, you made your bed, live in it. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. That's not a very pretty picture of Jesus, Right? No, because he comforts us in all our affliction, that which the world brings up, maybe the choices and actions of others, maybe it's health, whatever it may be, maybe we brought it on ourselves. But I want you to know Jesus hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. His comfort is there. His mercy is there. His love is there. And one of the most powerful pictures you can make of Jesus is to do that with others in your life. They know whether or not they brought that on themselves or not. I don't have to tell them. I can still love them. 
I can still go onto the ship when everybody else is jumping off the ship. You with me? Say amen. So not only by smiling, but by sympathizing. But notice a third thing, by serving. I love this word in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the apostle Paul, and uh, he's talking about how he approaches everybody else in his life. So this is very important. We're talking about the apostle Paul, and he says this in verse 19, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. He says, for though I am free from all people, what does he mean by that? I, he said, I'm owned by no one. You know, I, no one, no other man on earth owns me. Now, he would say, let me make this clear, I am owned by the Lord. I'm a, Paul said, I am a bondservant of the Lord. Peter said, I'm a bondservant of the Lord. John wrote in Revelation, I'm a bondservant of the Lord. But when it came to people in his life, no one owned him. He wasn't a slave to anyone. But listen to what he said. For though I am free from all people, I have made myself a slave to all. Whoa, think it through. I have chosen to be a slave to all. I have chosen to be a servant to everyone God brings into my life so that I may gain more. That I may help more and more people come to know Jesus, the Jesus I've come to know, to have the salvation I have, to know the love and grace and have this same relationship as I am. I become a servant. That just means he lived every, looking for those opportunities, looking for an opportunity at any given time. It could just be a little five-minute thing. It could be a five-hour thing. It, it could be just in terms of family. It could be in friend. It could be a fellow worker. Just looking for any opportunity by which in Christ, all things we do, all things we say in the name of Jesus, to present Christ to them in serving them the way Jesus served us. That would change your life. That would change your life. That's why we read in 2 Corinthians 5.15 that we live not for ourselves, but for him. That means we look for opportunities to serve, not to be served. Maybe I need to say that again. We're looking opportunities to serve others, not how many people can serve us. If we get that straight in our mind when it comes to the body of Christ, it would change a lot of churches. In fact, let me just say it this way. If we practiced what we preach on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, then the people out there begin to believe what we're preaching and teaching on Sunday. Just threw that one out. By smiling, by sympathizing, 
by serving, by speaking up. When that opportunity comes, here, here, listen, here's what, here's what we're seeking to do, influence. I know you've heard this all your life. You can take a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. And that is absolutely true. Don't even try it. That horse is stronger than you are, <laughs> right? But if you salt his oats, he may beat you to the water. You get the picture? This is what we're seeking to do. So that they see what's going on in our life and they're asking the question, what is it about you? You've got something I don't have. What is it? Oh, glad you asked. As the scripture says in Psalms 107 and in verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let me just read it to you. Psalms 107 Verse 2, the redeemed of the Lord shall say so. Those he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered from the lands. I'm going on to verse 3, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Tell them your story. So all you got to do. Tell them your story. How you came to know Christ and the difference he is making in your life. That's, that's what we're talking about. The results of love. Why? Because the people need to hear your story. Because they're living on the edge of eternity. You may not have another chance. Today may be your day he's calling you home. And this is the last chance you have to tell your story. It may be their last chance to hear your story. Because they're living like you and like I on the edge of eternity. One last thing, by smiling, by sympathizing, by serving, by speaking up, and then by sacrificing whatever it takes, whatever it takes. What did it take for Jesus? to not only show his love, but to bring his life-changing love and grace into our lives. It took sacrifice. Described in Philippians chapter two. Listen to this. And I'm gonna start reading in, in actually verse three. Just to put everything into the same perspective. Do nothing from selfishness. Do nothing. Underline that word nothing. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility, consider one another as more important than yourselves. Are you letting this? Settle in in your thoughts. 
Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Having, here it is, this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross, the ultimate sacrifice, whatever it takes whatever it takes. You see, maybe we never thought of it this way, that how we're living our lives, this love relationship, worshiping every day, so we don't come to worship on Sunday, we bring our worship with us. is one of the keys to how many people out there, or that many people out there at least, that are non-believers can see Jesus. And maybe the day their last day they hear your story. And now they have their story of coming to Everybody's living, everybody, every day, every hour, every moment, right now, on the edge of eternity. It's the reality of life. There's the return of the Lord, but there is the results of our love if we're living for him, worshiping him in this love relationship. So I just want you to bow your heads and just, just close your eyes. I want you to think about it for just a moment. I'm hoping that you're not gonna cut it off <laughs> even right now or when you walk out that door. But this word, which is his word, not my word, his word, would just continually be grabbing your heart, speaking to you. God is speaking to you. And maybe even right now he's speaking to you. You're here. You've never... You've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior or you're struggling with doubt. I don't want you to doubt. The Lord doesn't want you to doubt. He wants you to be able to say, I know that I know I'm in this incredible love relationship with him because I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to give you that chance right now. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If I 
could give you any advice right now, just forget there's anybody else whatsoever in here. It's just you and Jesus. And Jesus is saying, hey, today's the favorable day. Today is the day of salvation for you if you had just come. And I'd be glad to help you with that. Or in these moments, God just spoke to your heart, gave you a new vision for your life as a follower of Christ, how to live out this love relationship, how to worship him and the importance of worshiping him by smiling, by sympathizing, by serving, by speaking up, by sacrifice. Just looking for those opportunities every day. And you want to make a commitment to that, then you just come. That's what this altar's for. Just come. It's between you and the Lord Jesus. Just come.